This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This is the besotted Pride of West London podcast and I'm coming for you from a snowy London. I feel snowed in. To be quite honest with you, I'm in the pub and I don't know if I'm going to be able to leave because there's snow outside. I've actually risked my life coming down here. I got on the train, the train got delayed, I got stuck in a tunnel. They're talking about all sorts of nonsense going on. They told everybody to get home by five o'clock in the afternoon, but we didn't do that. We knew that we had a podcast to do and we had to get down to the pub and we had to drink lots of beer. So we've come down to South East London, just over the river there. We're in Southwark. We're at the Mad Hatter in Southwark. Just around the corner from Southwark Station, not too far from Waterloo. And we come here a few times, actually. Very nice little boozer. If you're in the south of uh, the river, just down the road from where the old uh, London Eye is, the Broadcasting Centre, I think, in London Weekend used to be back in the day. It's all down this way, you know. And, uh, yeah, I'm Billy Grant, and like I said to you, I I might be snowed in, so I've actually got my tent in the corner. I've got my pints of bride that I'm going to have for me when the closing bell goes. And I'll be sitting inside there, and then in the morning, I'll probably go home when the snow stops falling. But I do quite like it when it's like this, actually. It makes me feel rather warm. Especially when I'm sitting around here with my friends, my buddies, my chums, who've also risked their lives. Risked their lives coming down here today. I'm sitting here with my man, the Savvy B. How are you doing, the Savvy B? I'm fine. I'm actually rather enjoying the, the hats, because there's, uh, there's a whole row these lovely hats there's a cloche hat a top hat a panama bowler etc straw hat all in these like uh, sort of cases like they're on exhibition they're really it's rather like, pretty it's, a muse- it's like a museum of hats at the mad hatter isn't it yeah it's, re- it's really rather nice and the pub itself is is very nice it actually strangely reminds me of the weatherspoons in cricklewood for some reason i think it's the booths the booth action it's oh, very yes. nice yeah we like a bit we normally we sit in the booths actually but the booths were taken this time and they, they shoved us in the corner they probably thought those, those podcast people are coming we <laughs> keep them away from everyone else which is which is all good but listen which quite good actually because we've got the liberal who's come down and he, he, he's probably made the easiest out of us because we struggled to get here 
but you it was very easy for you to get down there wasn't it the liberal absolutely snow what snow you know it's be- it was a beautiful morning down in old devonshire this morning yeah you got your snow plow didn't you no i didn't need no didn't need the snow plow didn't need the snow plow i sort of sauntered down in my shirt sh- sh- t-shirt and shorts onto the train this morning you know and then as it approached london the weather descended and i arrived here and it was full of snow you know and white lines snow it was all over the place yeah don't do it it's london it's london for you isn't it london indeed indeed it's london for you he fits very quickly doesn't he i've got the dutchman's in the house as well the dutch how are you doing very well thank you billy very well indeed not not a massive fan of the snow i must say just just went abroad for a couple of days to get some snow in Poland for the first time and expose the kids to it and come back to probably thicker snow here than there was abroad. So um, I like it for about five minutes. Now I'm thinking about will the game be on Saturday? Oh, no, don't, don't even go there. We'll come talk about that a little bit later. We were talking about cancellation. But Savvy, have you got any, have you got any snow stories for us? Because I'd be quite interested in your snow stories. Snow, snow. Um, I've got a snow joke, mate. <laughs> yeah, okay. Um, I was doing some filming. I had to go and do some filming, and we had to sort of mock up this uh, sort of fake skiing thing. Uh, and obviously, this is this is London, so we, we thought, oh, let's go somewhere where they have a proper ski slope. So we went to Gillingham, and it was I had a proper ski slope. Fair enough, and the kids were enjoying it, and I was filming, and it looked quite convincing. Was it a good ski slope? It was a shit ski slope. But <laughs> <laughs> Can't say that when you've had a couple of pints of pride. I know a, a shit ski slope, uh, but it was typical of Gillingham, really, which is a kind of really shit place to, to be. But uh, yeah, no, that was it was quite good fun, and uh, I didn't get wet because there was no real snow at all. Ah, indeed, indeed. The, the liberal. I'm just wondering. I mean, countrymen, as yourself, have you got any snow stories for us? Anything that might have happened down in the west of this? world nothing in the west country but i did have a very expensive time last time i went to sweden which as you know a lot of snow in sweden in the winter a bit snow in the summer as well i guess but it depends how far north you go but anyway parked side of the road in sweden as you do you know a hire car came back the next morning ticket on the front of it equivalent of about 175 pounds was the parking ticket because you couldn't see the yellow line but you know it was snowy couldn't see the yellow line not only that but i parked in the wrong direction of the traffic as well 175 pound that cost me i can't go back to sweden are you sure that you weren't drinking the night before i mean you parked the wrong way around you know what i'm saying was the car upside down as well no never drink and drive never drink and drive but you can't afford once you'd paid the 175 pound for the parking fee drinking was out for the rest of the time in Sweden. That was a round in Sweden though, isn't it? Uh, about half a round and a good job the Besotted crew weren't there or we'd still be paying off the overdraft. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I've been, actually, I've been to Sweden, well, I've been there about 15 times and I went there, one time I went actually uh, lake walking, have you seen that? When the, the, the lake ice is over and people go lake walking, it's quite bizarre, isn't it? I've done that once. Yeah, but no, my luck, it would be the time when the thaw was just coming in. Yeah. <laughs> we time it, we say, hello, wait, no, keep going, keep going, yay! <laughs> anyway, yeah, one time, I my, my snow stories, I'm, I've got some bizarreness, as you know, sometimes go down. And one time, I, back in the day, I, I actually organised um, a husky a husky rally in the UK. You're lucky husky. <laughs> it was. You know, I know all about huskies. So I, I actually organised the Labatt's Husky. Sorry for mentioning another beer company. But the Labatt's Husky Rally Championship, it was. And uh, I was the, the, top, the top dog <laughs> in the Husky Rally Championship. So I used to organise these races all around the country. 
And every year you used to do it, and basically you used to get about 400 dogs used to turn up, and I used to basically turn up with this van full of beer, set up the course, do all the PR, everything like that, and stuff like that, then get them pissed on the Saturday night, and then they'd have to race again on the Sunday, and it was brilliant. So we... You got the dogs pissed on a Saturday night. Who <laughs> let the dogs out? No, so yeah, so the, the drivers did actually. The, the, the dogs weren't particularly happy about it. So on the Sunday, they were all a little bit sort of shaky. So we did that. There's always four races in it. Um, one, one in one in Norfolk, one in one in Wales, and one in Monmouth, one in um, um, and Scotland, you know, in Aberfoyle, and one in Kilda, which is the last one. That was the final one. But the thing that they always used to cry that every year, Kilda, Kilda. So they always used to cry. The, because the racers just they were really gutted because there's never any snow so they always used to race on those wheels so they had wheeled sleds every year but the thing is that when they get snow it was like the biggest thing ever so I did the first rally four races no snow it's all on wheels first year the second year round three races all on wheels they were really unhappy then the last one went up to, to Northumberland just Newcastle really happy snow they were absolutely delighted. We got snow. We got down there. We've got the newspapers down. All these photo calls and everything like that. They got the photo calls and the snow, and they did it on the sleds. And they were waiting to all come out. Their sleds all run out. And the following day, typical England, the the Husky Rally in the snow was called off because of snow because the whole course had iced over. <laughs> Brilliant. Talking about talking about dogs. Where's Where's Dave Lane today? listen it's funny you should say that because you you thought i was going to introduce him next because i normally actually ignore him but i did actually ignore him this time because what laney has done is laney has gone on a bit of a, a mid-winter break snow gone uh, to, gone to see the snow. there's no snow actually he's actually gone to egypt and he's flying on the beach in egypt as you know as you know there's a little bit of a besotted um boycott of Leeds United at the weekend, which we'll talk about the Leeds United game. And so myself, I decided not to go a couple of months ago. And also Laney decided not to go. So there was no coverage, there's no nothing at Leeds. But we will talk about that in just a little bit. But what else are we going to talk about? Actually, at the moment now, apparently, is there some activity happening at Wembley? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Spurs won, Rochdale won. It's classic. And all sorts of goals being disallowed by VAR. That's what happens in the Premiership. That's why I don't want to go up. Let's remain in the Championship. Old school football. And it's interesting as well because when Tottenham played Rochdale a few weeks ago in the FA Cup, the first round, they thought they'd be all over. And all obviously their fans were singing probably what we did before. No, 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 no more Rochdale. <laughs> but... Um, it doesn't seem to have gone to plan, does it? But um, anyway, let's talk about what we've got on this show. On this show, a bit later, we're going to talk Leeds. We're going to talk about the Leeds game. We're also going to talk about the Besotted Social. We've got a little message from our big guest who's going to be talking to us to tell us how excited he is coming about his forthcoming appearance at the Social on the 4th of May. And uh, we'll also discuss our favourite moments with our guest. Um, we've also got the Football Village News. We'll be talking all sorts of stuff, Brentford and non-Brentford. Um, we'll be discussing a new venture that Brasotted are involved in as well, which I think some of you will be very interested in. We're very excited about it. We'll also be talking to Vince from the Cardiff Supporters Trust. And he'll be talking to us about Cardiff and all sorts of stuff. And we'll also be discussing games and snow and postponements. But tell you something, let's forget about that. Let's go back to last weekend and let's talk about Leeds United. We're not going to listen to the fans because we were on boycott, so our microphone is on boycott. We did no podcast. We thought let's just talk amongst ourselves about that Leeds game and exactly what went down at the weekend. So Leeds on Saturday. And Leeds on Saturday, it was a fairly cold day, but it wasn't a snowy day. It wasn't a freezing day. 
Um, but that just reminds you, there's a little snow story, the Dutchman. I mean, we, we left you out there, not deliberately, but we just kind of sort of kind of pinged your memory there, didn't we? It did ping my memory. As I say, it's a bit of a Danny Baker type story, really. I, I, I went out one day in the snow, probably the last time the snow came down like this, and I uh, got, got to work and realised I didn't have my keys, and I couldn't really concentrate all day because I was worried, left the keys in the door, you know, senior moment, and I, I got sent home to go and find them because I was worse than useless, even more than usual. Um, in the office and I got back and checked my door and they weren't there and I thought well, I don't know where the keys are so I, I walked back to the station as I got to the end of my road about 100 yards away there were some kids throwing a snowball and they picked up the snow off the wall as you do and threw it and underneath the snow that they threw were my door keys spooky very very spooky that a bit of luck there involved listen but let's go back to the weekend because also you the Dutchman as you, you know we played Leeds on Saturday we didn't quite get the result we wanted 1-0 to the Champions of Europe um, to be fair you know only losing 1-0 to the Champions of Europe actually isn't that bad um, but we played Leeds United on Saturday um, we actually all saw the game um, even though I mean I personally wasn't there as, as you know I mean and I wrote an article about it which went pretty viral you know it went all about the place where I decided not to go to the match I actually made the decision about two months ago because I saw the price that Leeds were charging for that game I saw that they were charging roughly about £39. I thought that they might have actually brought it down this season, but they didn't look like they were going to. And I thought enough is enough. So I'm actually going to my son for the half-term for that weekend, and I thought I could do one or two things and take him up to Leeds on the Saturday eventually, or I can try and see if I could do something else with him. And I made the decision I wasn't going to go to Leeds, and I looked for something else to do. I'm just, we'll talk about this in a minute, the ticket fast thing. But like I said to you, that's myself what I didn't do. But the Dutchman, let's go back to the game. You are at the game. What was the vibe? I was at the game wearing my scab t-shirt, really breaking the picket line to go. Um, for, for, for personal reasons, I wanted to go there. and um, The vibe was... It was muted, I think. I thought the, the fans were in reasonably good voice. There wasn't many of us. There was whatever there was, 550, 600 fans there. But I didn't really get the impression that we thought we were going to win, which was a bit odd. Um, but that, that being said, we started off well. I thought the players performed very well for the first... After the first five minutes where we soaked up some pressure, I thought for the first 25 minutes after that, I thought we were looking in control. But, um, you know, once we let in the goal, silly free kick to give away, bad marking for the goal, um, offside or not offside, it was still a bad goal to give away. We kind of huffed and puffed a bit after that. And I think the players lost belief and the fans lost belief at the same time. And it was it was almost one of those afternoons to get out of the way as quickly as possible. I mean, it was as well. And I'll come back to this as well. Just back to it. I, mean, I went out the country, I actually went to Mallorca um, with my son. Ironically, and I just I got my receipts out the other day to actually look at the cars because everyone said, oh, yeah, yeah, right. I flew out to Mallorca and hired a car for five days, cheaper than it would have cost me to go to Leeds with my son and buy match tickets. My plane was eight quid out there, it was 26 quid back. My car hire was 25 pounds, no, 25 euros for the five days. Right, that was it. And my brother's out there. I stayed with my brother. No, it was brilliant. It was a it was a golf. Honestly, that was that was the golf buggy. Yeah, that's right. I wish it was a golf buggy. That was it. I stayed with my brother. You know, I could stay with any time, but that was it. So it, the total cost was less than hundred pounds. Leeds tickets would have cost me, and the train and everything like that about hundred and fifty pounds. So just just trying to emphasise this point that ironically, I could have gone away to Mallorca for a weekend if you wanted to, cheaper than the Leeds situation. Now. Liberal, I'm going to bring this back up again because this whole ticket passing is, is, is quite important. I remember last year, um, after the day after the social, um, I remember 
I was going to Leeds, but you had made the decision because of the prices that last season you were going to, weren't going to go. Um, but my point to you was, I remember I said to you, and it's not having to go to you, I totally respect your, your view, but the problem that you've got is that if you go to a game like that, but you just don't tell anyone about it, it just looks like that your fans haven't bothered to turn up. It's the last Saturday before Christmas, so you decide a lot of other people for moral reasons, but you didn't turn up. Uh, whereas I was saying that if you're not going to go, you've actually got to actually let people know about it, and that's the reason why I thought if I'm not going to go, got to write the article and put it out there so it actually makes a little bit of a splash and, and hopefully like I said to you people like yourself and everything like that haven't turned up will also say actually I didn't go for specifically the same reasons yeah yeah absolutely and uh, you know in my limited way did a bit of social media you know harassing and got got a bit of harassment off Leeds fans actually on Saturday Le- Leeds fans claiming that yeah 500 we brought we wouldn't have brought more than 500 anyway which anybody who went to Sunderland would have known was you know rubbish we took 1200 to Sunderland I think 1300 didn't we I think we'd have easily taken a thousand to Leeds if it been you know because Leeds is a nice city it's a good it's a fun day out the beer's cheap you know it's actually you know if you book if you book set well in advance and sensibly and get some decent train train tickets and yeah no I think we could have easily taken a thousand there it was purely because of their ticket price that we only had the 500 600 fans there and as you say Bill the important thing is to actually make a real good protest about it and I think it seems to me is that Leeds fans themselves are now beginning to accept that their club is taking the piss out of away fans as well um, because the more sensible of the Leeds fans are actually talking about you know having discussions with the clubs about the prices that are being charged about with their club about the price that's being charged because it is just ludicrous 30 is 30 is plenty to pay in the championship it should be 20 I'm prepared to pay 30 no more and, and as we say it 40 is naughty and that's the strap line that we used on it as well especially the 44 pounds and it was quite a good little tweet from Brentford who uh, you know um, they, and they said the Wi-Fi wasn't working and uh, you know for 44 quid you'd expect the Wi-Fi to work which I think is uh, was quite a good little tweet for them but 40 is naughty but just coming back to what you were saying about the Leeds United I mean we've since that we've been talking to the Leeds United Trust and the Leeds United Trust they came back to us and they said they, they said we thought the article was fantastic right on the money and we're actually in discussions with club at the moment now regarding this about our match tickets and away match tickets and we're going to present your article to the club as well with everything else we do to see if we can actually do something about it for next season they said to us oh however we're really worried because the season ticket prices have actually gone up in the West Standards, which is where we are, which means that they have a worry that the away fans' ticket prices will actually go up next season. So we actually have almost like a bigger battle ahead of us because 39, it could be 41 or 42 next season now. So, But at least we've got Leeds fans working on our side. And whatever we did, even though some of them were slagging us off, they thought it was a positive thing. So hopefully we can get more Bees fans there next season. Yeah, but I do also think that it's important that, that the hierarchies in the other championship clubs actually start making a fuss. Slightly disappointed that you know people like Cliff, Cliff Crown you know who I have a lot of time for a lot of respect for tweeted on Saturday morning he wished all the Brentford fans a uh, safe journey up made no reference to the ticket price the other clubs in the championship have been sp- have sponsored their fans to go I think Wolves was it Wolves and Millwall subsidised subsidised the ticket prices nine, I think it was about £9 or yeah, something like that yeah. Yeah. I mean it's not it's not the answer it's not a long term answer it's not a long term answer and it makes clubs like Leeds lazy but what I would like to hear from the hierarchy at our club and indeed the hierarchy at other championship clubs is that they're, is that they're saying to Leeds United what you are doing is a disgrace grow up and actually start charging our fans a decent price 
All I will say from talking to some of the Leeds fans before the game and afterwards, I was quite disappointed that actually quite a large majority of them didn't give a shit about the prices we're being charged. And um, you know, great to hear from the trust that they do. And I'm sure there's a load of right-minded Leeds fans and you know who are supporting that move and how it affects them. But it just did seem to me that the average fan really wasn't that bothered. And that was that, and that was that was the reaction that I was getting from social media, you know, from from Leeds fans on social media. Most of them were actually saying, "Oh, well, you're just a tin pot club." You know, the fact that we'd beaten them more times than they've beaten us in recent years. Well, you know, Sodom. But that's basically only a percentage of them will be away fans. So I mean, most of them are just on season ticket holders at home. You know, again, you know. So, you know the, the, the discounted rate the season ticket holders get, but the, the I mean, they, they need it. They need an away season ticket. That's how it works at Leeds. Now you pay, I don't remember, six or eight hundred quid for an away season ticket, and you get all the games. It's quite hardcore. Yeah, no, no I mean the away fans are hardcore. Yeah. I mean, I, I I went to the uh, Fulham Leeds game last season, um, not not through choice, <laughs> not through choice, and it was forty quid, mind at Fulham, uh, but they they filled out six thousand at their end and it was like magnificent the, the noise they made so they're, they're committed but they are the ones that are going to who understand what it's like to pay away prices the ones who are, are at Ellen Road on their season tickets and don't rarely go away you know they're getting their discounts they don't give a toss and they're the ones who think don't care what away fans pay yeah, one guy I met before the game top bloke actually chatting to him you know thanked us for coming up and all the best I said to him how much do you pay he said don't tell him it must have been in his mid-30s he said don't tell him my mate he's about um, I've been buying a kids ticket for the last five years and putting it through the thing it cost me about £6 for most games so even they're not happy with the prices but they're just <laughs> finding their own ways around it I guess and you've now just told the world yeah, yeah that's right yeah. So, so I mean so listen but anyway just coming back to the game the game massively disappointed as we say um, I mean there's a few there's a few questions the first of all let's talk about the goal I mean, the Dutchman, I know that you made a comment and we had a WhatsApp group that was going on during the game and uh, that goal came in and, and you had a few comments about it, didn't you? I, I, it looked offside, which is the first thing that you see. Quite hard to see from the replays, but most people there thought it was offside. The marking seems to be a little bit lack again. There seemed to be someone probably even ducking after the event. But I thought giving the free kick away in the first place was a bit foolish. The guy on the left was just running into touch and two people kind of took him out when he was going nowhere and the minute the free kick was conceded a lot of us went when I say a lot of us there wasn't that many there but a lot of us said um, you know, <laughs> that, that's, not, that's not a good you know, place to give away a free kick and, and so it proved but I, I think we give away a few silly little free kicks like that occasionally and there's, there's times you have to give away a, a free kick and you, know, you, you, you take the foul and you take the, the yellow card and there's, there's a few silly ones and I think that's probably a lesson to learn plus Plus, mark people from the free kick. Yeah. Well, okay. And we're talking about the. Uh, let's talk about. Let's just talk about that free kick. I mean, the liberal. Again, we discussed it quite a lot, and we've replayed it now since we've seen it back and everything like that. Um, and okay, the, the man may have been offside, but also it, it it was a little bit reminiscent of earlier in the season when people were whipping the balls in and teams were getting goals or having one opportunity and scoring from that on one opportunity again. It was and it was a little bit like Groundhog Day, as uh, as they say, wasn't it? As you know, Bill, I'm a very law-abiding citizen, but for, um, so for Saturday, for the first time in pretty much ever I watched an illegal stream of the game so you know I had quite a good view and, and so, so did we all you know what I'm saying which is interesting that's because it was Leeds yeah Bastards. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so watch an illegal stream in the comfort of my armchair at home yeah that's right without having to pay £39 
uh, for a ticket or even £44. Um, where was I going with this? Um, but um, it was quite clear is that Egan was at fault for the goal. Let's let's call it out. Let's let's say it. And I think as we've, you know, uh, it was a disappointing that we seem to revert to type. Those ball comes in, whipped across, first player in, ducks his head, in, in, it, in it goes, opposition goal. It seemed to be like the goals we were giving away at the start this season in defence. And I think you have to start questioning why was it that Egan started over Mepham? Because, I mean, our defence has looked really solid with Mepham in it. He's, you know, and did we bottle the decision? Did we say, oh, well, we're not going to change a winning team, therefore, you know, John Egan comes and plays? I think you, you, you play your best team. And it's quite clear, you know, no disrespect to John Egan, but it's quite clear that at the moment, Chris Mepham is a better defender than John Egan. Or on a better run of form, sorry, better run of form. So, I mean, this is difficult because the one thing you don't want to do, you don't want to be sort of digging out your own players, but at the same time, you've got to be, no, no, I'm not saying you're doing that, but at the same time, you've got to be objective. So we're sitting down there and thinking, listen, we've got a team, we're going into our last now 12 games of the season, we want to be on our best run of form as possible, we want to make sure that all the mistakes that we had beforehand aren't there. Um, we've got a couple of defenders, like I said to you, we had a central defender issue beforehand, which we felt had been resolved. Um, the question I'm going to ask you is: um, Do we re- do we? Res- I mean, we have to now resort back to. Well, we don't have to, but do we resort back to our original plan? If the original plan is uh, Mepham and Bjelland playing together, then I think yes. Um, basically, because we've seen that that is a pairing that works really well together. Uh, you know, the, the, the young person, good skills on the ball, uh, older head next to him. Uh, left footer and the right footer it just, it just worked really well I'm going to ask this question and this is the thing because we've been we've, we've been talking about this for like three weeks now and I have to admit I was very very surprised when I saw um, Egan came back in instead of Mepham which maybe I shouldn't have been and then we had two yeah yeah he came, no, so he came and then he stayed uh, but the other thing is that and this is it's difficult because you don't want to disrespect him as well. A lot of people sort of say that the two games that he came in for, which is Sunderland and Birmingham, are probably the two of the easier games that he is probably going to have. You know what I'm saying? Do you, now, if Mepham came back in, he may have done a similar type job or a better job or a slightly worse job, I don't know. But do you think that um, Dean Smith took the easy option by not putting Chris Mepham back in when he could have done? I think I think there's two things. I think that that he likes to keep a winning team, and you know we just won five nil for Christ's sake, you know. And and, and Egan was playing in a team that had two nils against it, so you know you can see why he decided to keep him. But also I think the other the other issue is that Yanaris uh, is out. And with Yanaris out, Egan's the captain. I mean Egan's the captain when he plays, but you know with Yanaris not there either, then there's no captain if you drop Egan. So I think that might have been playing on his mind as well. But I think because we lost, I think the, the decision's going to be easier on Saturday for, uh, for Dean Smith to make. And, and again, this Egan, um, it's interesting you say that as well, because Egan as captain, um, your thoughts on that? I mean, it's interesting because we had a conversation a couple of years ago about um, uh, uh, Jake Bidwell. And remember, Jake Bidwell was captain. He came in, and he was a captain for reasons because he had an exemplary record and he worked really hard and everything like that. I personally didn't think he was captain material. I thought he was all right, but I thought, you know, at the time there were better people as captain. John Egan now as captain. Your thoughts, Dutchman? I think it's hard to see sometimes what a captain does from the side and 
um, you know, Yanari, she wouldn't say was a natural captain either. And it, it's easy to go for the kind of chest thumping Harley Dean type character who, you know, is, is the kind of old school captain. And I guess captains these day, these days offer a bit more than that. So, like you, I'm not there to call out any players, but I do think, you know, we've got a an international defender at the back playing alongside either, you know, Mepa Morrigan. Let's let's face it, who's started to establish himself in the team, showing that the international defender that he is in Bielens and you know you've got to ask is there more of a captain there in terms of reading the game a bit more experience so I, I don't see all that goes on in the world of captains but I didn't see a lot of leadership on Saturday when we were 1-0 down Just, and I'm going to come to you in a minute I'm calling you because you're at the game even though we saw it all you're a little bit more critical of Egan you actually said that he had a bit of a terrible game on Saturday I, I thought we had a very poor second half I thought, I thought first half when we were on top he like most of the other team looked fairly comfortable I thought when we were under pressure I thought um, I thought he made some bad decisions and he wasn't the only one so don't, it sounds like we're picking on Egan I thought um, and, you know, others at the back had I didn't think that Barbe had a particularly good second half either um, I thought we, we, we wobbled occasionally I didn't think we had the leadership we gave the ball away too easily we got caught on the break a few times we could have let in a few more I, I didn't think it was a good second half performance and I didn't quite see who was leading the turnaround that didn't happen. The Liberal. I actually don't think you need a captain. Well, you do. You need a captain to, to, to hand over the pennant and, um, and shake, the, the, shake the opposing opposing team's captain and hand out the oranges as well at half time and, and toss the coin is what I was going to do but apart from call the, call the right way but apart from that I'm not certain why you need a captain in modern day football really um, you should have enough leaders on the pitch um, everybody should know what their job is when they go out run out on that pitch and you then should, every one of them should be a leader I'm putting the inverted commas sign behind that so I'm you know I'm less inclined I can see the point of a club captain who collects the fines when players are late and you know and wears wears shoes in the dressing room or whatever and collects the fines for the end of season tour or whatever it is but that's all that you need otherwise you don't need a captain every one of the 11 players who starts should be their own leader should know what they're doing and should be able to uh, show a bit of uh, courage and guts I mean, I mean and again I'll d- totally disagree with you there because I actually think that you need somebody on there who is the top boy who's the person who actually just he takes the ball by the horns he takes the younger person and he, he shields them he does what he needs to do and he leads by example and it doesn't necessarily have to be chest thumping and thub thumping and all that kind of stuff but I just really do need that you need someone on the pitch who you could see is actually leading and that, that team and if you're in a bit of a mire he's the one that pulls you out and I think that the idea of you know, 11 people could do that is cool but I just think that you need somebody that people will point at who they have respect for as well yeah, I go about that, but but a number of teams recently have made the cap, uh, made the goalkeeper their, their their captain. I mean, how can the goalkeeper sort of run out into the middle of the field and 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 thump his chest and have words with the referee when a bad tackle goes in or whatever? I think everybody should should own up for their own responsibilities. I'm a great believer in collective democracy. You know. yeah. I never feel comfortable when he's talking about players in that way. I think, you know, on, on the Egan thing in particular. I think you know. I've, I've long talked on this podcast. Is why you probably don't ask me on that often. Is 
yeah, it's all about the partnerships at the back, and it's about who plays best as a partnership. And what what seemed to happen when Meppen was playing alongside Bielen was that partnership seemed to work. They seemed to have the left and right sorted, and they seemed to have the positioning better. And you know, that that's what I don't think we've had right in not just now but in previous years. You know, when we had the various combinations with Dean at the back and Craig and others. You know, it's about which two play best together. And you shouldn't you shouldn't pick a team. You shouldn't include the captain just to get him in the team. And I'm not saying that's what's happened, but you should pick your best team and then worry about the captain. You shouldn't try and shoehorn a captain to the team if that's what's happened. So, listen, I'm going to ask a question. So, where do we go from here? We're going to be asking this question a lot over the next uh, two months. I mean, where exactly do we stand? We have a good run and everyone gets really excited. We play Birmingham City, we beat them 5 0, and we're going, yeah, listen, we're on the edge of the playoffs. We're like three points of the playoffs. Now we've lost against Leeds, but we're still four points of the playoffs. But there's a massive pack of people, five points from the playoffs. There's a massive pack of people that are chasing at the moment now, um, which is, you know, that is where it is. But um, the question I'm going to ask you is that it's interesting because when you look at actual form, we're actually not doing that bad because if you take away the first eight games of the season, which is four draws and four defeats, we're actually average 1.77 points a game. So if that's spread over the 34 games we played so far, we'd have the same points as Derby, okay, who are in fourth place. So if you put that into perspective, it shows you that we're actually on a form-wise doing all right. So yeah, we might lose to Leeds at Leeds here, we might draw to Preston there, but then we beat these other teams. We're doing all right. However, we've got 12 games to go. We probably need to pick up on ourselves a little bit to actually kind of get into that slot, the sixth place slot that we want to. What are your thoughts, Liberal? There are lies, damn lies and statistics. And I mean, quite frankly, 1.77 makes no difference at all. You know, we're, we are where we are. The table the table doesn't lie to you. But the point what I'm trying to say to you is that we had a terrible first... If you listen to what I'm saying, we had a terrible first eight games. If you take that out, we've actually been playing pretty well other than the eight games. So if we carry that on... We might be there or thereabouts. If we increase it, we can actually get there. The question I'm asking is that, how do you see us going from now to the end of the season? I see us um, probably remaining in roughly the same position. I think we'll probably end up ninth, eighth, ninth or tenth in, in, in the division this season. I don't see us going. Two things I would say is that what we've got to do, we've got to stick with Malpe. That's the vital thing because Malpe will play himself into form. He, I, you know, he's already actually not doing badly as a striker. If you look at his record, he's doing just as well as any of the recent strikers we've had. But I reckon Malpe will be a really strong striker for us. And two, as I said earlier, bring back Mech. Mep and Freegan. We've got a, we've got a good strong team, and you know Brentford getting eighth, ninth, or tenth in the championship. It's a bloody good performance. Let's be proud of it. Let's celebrate it. Let's move on. The Dutchman. Yeah, I, I think we are proud of it. As, as to where we'll get to, I think you know, you'd have to check the, the predictions. But I think that we kind of all forecast mainly, other than the very excitable ones amongst us, that we're going to finish in that sort of seventh, eighth, ninth, tenth position, just outside the playoffs. I think we're there. Is it is it too late to catch up? Of course it is. And if we go on form and we go on a massive run, then of course it's possible. And whilst the pack's chasing, that that's applicable to anybody. You know, a couple of wins and we'll be there. I think it suits us better to be outside. I don't think it's going to suit us to be fourth and hanging on. You know, if we're going to get into the playoffs, it's going to come storming on the last day of the season, probably in the last minute of the last game of the season. You know, and sneaking in seems to be the only way that we'll get in. Really, can we do it? Yeah, of course we can. If but will we do it? I don't think so. Savvy B. Well, if you look at our remaining games, five of the 12 that we've got left are with teams above us uh, that are in the top eight. So um, that's going to be quite 
either difficult or good because that allows us if we win those games we actually catch up with them you know we, we get you know they're six pointers and then we've got another four games with teams in the middle of the table and uh, three games with teams at the bottom of the table so in theory it's quite a difficult task and I think like, like pretty much everyone else around the table I think we're going to fall short but I tell you what's going to be massive. The Fulham game is going to be massive. Of course, the Fulham game is going to be massive. I mean, for me, again, if you go on a run, you're laughing. I mean, if you go on a run, it doesn't really matter. If we went on a run like we did last season, I've said this before, then we'd be laughing and we'd be right in there. These next three games, and again, it sounds like a cliche, but they're going to be really crucial. Because we've got Cardiff, who are going to be quite a tough team. They're going to come down there. You've got Warnock, he beats us all the time. Um, as you see, Ian Westbrook's going to be doing out a little, um, he's doing a little, his little preview, and he's going to be doing our record against um, Neil Warnock. He's a nightmare for Brentford fans. So we got that game. We need them. Then we've got Burton on Tuesday, who are fighting for their lives. Um, Burton, everyone's written them off, but they're, they're, again, they just come out and they've been playing the football that they want to play. They just go out there because they've got no pressure against them anymore. So that could be more difficult than we expect. And then next week, we've got the week after, we've got Millwall. And Millwall are, you know, are just, they're a really hard team to play against. We're playing at the Den. They've actually gone from sort of like, may there be relegation to actually kind of like, you know, on the edges of kind of like the, the fringe of the sort of, not playoffs as such, but they're doing all right. And they've got no fear as well. So we've got those three games. By the next Saturday, Saturday week, It'll be, I think, be very clear as to whether or not we're going to be in there, or we're just going to be floundering around in or in eighth or ninth place, which is which is all cool, you know, as we say. But look, we've got plenty more things that need to talk about. The next thing we're going to chat about, we've got a little party in May. We've got somebody who's coming out of this party in May. He's going to be talking to us in just a little minute about our party in May that you need to be there at. The besotted end of season bees up friday the 4th of may we have a very very special guest he's absolutely hilarious he's absolutely brilliant and he's got a little message for us if you want to get tickets for this like i said to you go to besotted.com the big banner on there now there's also the social tab you can go there just click on there and you can get tickets uh, the super early bird sold out within just over 24 hours so listen this is going to be a hot ticket but as we say we've got someone who wants to talk to you he's very excited about talking to Brentford fans. Have a little listen to what he has to say. Good afternoon. Maybe good morning. It might be good evening. Depends on what time you actually see this. Some guys invited me to the uh, besotted end of season bees up, he called it. To the Drayton Manor Hotel on Bank Holiday, Friday the 4th of May. He's invited me to go. <laughs> so uh, I, I've accepted to go and meet all the uh, Brentford supporters um, at that hotel. And uh, we're going to have some good fun. Uh, we're going to have a qu- question and answer. So any questions that you've got for me, uh, we'll have some prizes as well. I've got some prizes. I've bought out, been out and bought the prizes this morning. We've got um, uh, a beef pot noodle and uh, the prizes are for the best questions. We've got uh, a tin of pineapple chunks and uh, the last one will be a surprise for the best question. I look forward to meeting you all again. It'd be great to uh, come back and meet all the Brentford supporters on the night. And uh, if you want any more information about this, um, you've got to go to besotted.com.
www.ghostbusiness.com I can't wait to meet you all can't wait to tell some stories and uh, I just can't wait to come and meet you all Martin Allen is our guest at the besotted Pride of West London end of season bees up it's going to be in Ealing the Drayton Court Hotel Friday the 4th of May like I said to you, we sold out the early bird tickets in just over 24 hours before anyone knew who it was. Now we've got Martin Allen on there. You've listened to his little piece there. He's very excited about coming down. He's got loads of stories and we've got loads more stuff lined up as well. We're still working on the programme, but as you can imagine, it's going to be quite lively as it is. So let's just go to besotted.com, click on the big banner. It says Martin Allen. Go in there and you get your tickets or you go to the social um, menu. And click on there and you can get it as well, which is all good. I think they might even put a Martin Allen photo up there as well. You can click on him. So there's loads of ways for you can get there as well. So, and as he said, there's going to be prizes. He's got pot noodles and he's got sort of chunks of, 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 of what's it? Pineapple. pineapple, pineapple chunks. And he's got other stuff that he's giving away. And we've got all sorts of other stuff going as well. We've got DJing and we've got, you know, just lining it all up. It'd be absolutely brilliant going on until two o'clock in the morning. Like I said to you, there's a, a buffet as well. As well, it's going to be a hot food buffet. We'll be just picking the menu today before here as well. We weren't planning this podcast at all. We were just picking the menu. You know, the buffet, all sorts of food as well, and drinks as well. There's going to be complimentary drink as well to characters that are coming down. Honestly, it's going to be a great, great night. So just go there, get your mates together, get your other half to come down, everything like that is a great night for you as well. But listen, guys, Martin Allen, he, he, he came to our club and, and he reignited it at a time that we were sort of on a little bit of a sort of downer. So after we'd lost in the playoffs... Um, 2002, you know, and it's a few years after that, but we were kind of in that rebuilding phase, you know, and um, he added a real spark to Brentford. I'm, I'm just wondering, Dutchman, give us your favourite Martin Alamone. My favourite's a personal one, really. My, um, my daughter was mascot in 2004, December, for her eighth birthday. At an age, you know, before she was old enough to tell me to get lost, I'm not coming to Brentford. But she was, you know, pliable at that time, and she came and she was um, mascot. And as um, dad, I got to go around the changing room with her and you know meet the players. And she had, um, I think, a pendant. I think that's what they called a pendant to be signed by all the players. And that was the time, if you remember, we had people like Dion Burton, um, Claridge was there. Uh, I think Rankin was there. You know, some good characters and so. And they, they all signed her pendant, and then. I thought there's only one person who hasn't signed this pendant. That's that's the manager. It's Martin. It wouldn't wouldn't be complete, you know. Happy eighth birthday with everyone. So we asked around where it was, and I asked um, Stuart Talbot, who was there at the time. I think he was there. I said, Stuart, where is where's Martin Allen? I'd like him to sign this. He said he's in his little room, and inside what's a very small changing room to start with was a, a very small room which which Martin Allen had made his office. And I said, that's great. I'll, I'll just go in there and knock on the door, and I'll get him to sign this pendant. And him and Chris Hyde went, mate, don't do that. Please don't do that. You know, we're all scared of going in there. I said, no, it's fine. No, she's only eight. She'll be fine. Said, no, 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 no. Said, no. She's only going to knock on the door. She's only going to knock on the door. <laughs> so, and bless her, she knocked on the door. He was like, yeah. And then he saw that she was like, yeah, come on in, come on in, sweetheart. Yeah, sign it, sign it, sign it. It was good. But it really struck me then that the players were genuinely in awe of him. And there were some experienced players in that dressing room. And uh, yeah, I'm not saying he ruled it with a, a rod of iron because there was a good relationship. But they, they certainly... Um, they respected his position of authority and it was it was good but on a personal level he was nothing but fantastic to me and my daughter that day so very fond memories the liberal that's nice actually that's nice that sounds quite good actually so it's nice yeah 
Yeah, I didn't start off on such a good foot. I remember a fans forum where I we were on a sort of iffy run of form. And I asked, you know, I asked a fairly innocuous question, something like, you know, why did we only start with one striker up front? Can't, can't we get a long ball? Something, something yeah, 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 well, yeah, yeah, well, yeah, well, although Martin Allen's style wasn't exactly the beautiful football that we see nowadays, but it was a, it was a fairly innocuous question anyway, and to which he launched into a tirade. He said, what right have you got to ask me a question like that? What experience have you got in the game? What have you ever done? You know, show me your medals, show me your coaching badges, and all this sort of stuff. And he went on like this for about three, four minutes, really having a go at me, and I sort of was sitting back sunk back into my seat you know I thought bloody hell am I going to get out of here alive I thought he was really going to go for me and then he turned around and he did all this and then he turned around and said but actually that wasn't a bad question and then proceeded to give a fairly good fairly good answer um, and after afterwards I came up and said um, thank you very much for answering the question honestly and he launched it yet again into the well never come along into one of these forums and ask a question like that because I hate answer, asking difficult questions so I went away with a bit of PMA because that's what I always whenever I'm down whenever something really going I still remember Marty Allen banging on about the PMA the PMA the positive mental attitude that's what I do whenever I'm about to do a besotted podcast I think PMA PMA the Liberals PMA Sammy B for me it was more about the the aura he brought to the club and um, I mean for those sort of two and a bit seasons he was Brentford Football Club and but that that um, that end to to his first season that what we call the Great Escape. I think it was about nine games he was in charge of, <coughs> and you know we were we were sunk. I think I think if Brentford had gone down, we we could have we could have died uh, because we was a long way from 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 meeting up with Matthew Benham. You know we would have been another sort of two and a bit years before Matthew Benham got involved and I think we could have really really had a bad time but those those nine games were just marvellous we won most of them not all of them but but you know we we just turned into a team that was that was lost into a team that was just fighting for their lives and and you know but the, the turnaround was so quick and the next season we was in the playoffs it was incredible I mean what he brought to Brentford Football Club was incredible and I love him for that forever I mean, exciting times. And I remember in the middle of that period as well, um, probably talked about this before, but it's the game, and a lot of people remember that if you were ever there, when we went to Luton in the FA Cup. Uh, it was the FA Cup. I think it was the third round game. Um, probably, I think it was probably the game before the Sunderland game, which is obviously the big game. Um, but the, that Luton game, everyone turned up. It was one of those ones where, like, as you felt at the time, you know, we probably had 4,000 fans, and like, out of those 4,000, 2,000 of them were in Luton. Like, everyone was there. It was absolutely brilliant I remember we went to um, Toddington beforehand I think it was and we went there to the pub um, I could see dead people pub you know what I'm saying so it was a quite bizarre experience there before and then we ended up getting up to Luton we went inside the stadium and everyone was there even Gibbo if people, a, lot of, a lot of people that know Gibbo as well Gibbo was there from the old school days and then Gibbo had disappeared for years and then all of a sudden Gibbo just turned up out of the blue and Gibbo was absolutely raging potty for it the Brentford fans were raging absolutely the, the atmosphere was brilliant but what I do remember is that before the game Martin Cal Allen came out and he walked down the sideline and he sort of pushed his chest out 
as he walked towards the little corner section where all the, 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 the looting sort of nutters were like going absolutely rabid and he just pushed his chest out to them and he just sort of like stood up there and they're all like shouting at him and just going man and he just sort of stood up there just pushing his chest out sort of going, like taunting them in effect it was like you know it was just brilliant and they were just going mad and he taunted them and they just carried on he just stood up there in front of them and they were probably throwing things at me, but he just stood there and I just thought he's just, just brilliant and we actually won that game as well if I remember rightly we won that game and it was just an absolutely brilliant day out I think he just yeah he just raised we were going through some bad times he just made us quite proud to be bees again and he raised our profile in a way in the press that we hadn't seen for a long time and people had heard of us and you know he, he had his thoughts and all the rest of it but he was always good value good entertainment um, yeah, little, little endearing things like that. I remember MK Don's away when it was chucking it down with rain, and we were in the um, the hockey stadium, whatever it was at the time, I think. And yeah, everyone was absolutely drenched. He just took off his coat and his suit. I think he even took off his tank top and just stood there on the touchline in his shirt just to say, "I'm getting absolutely pissed on, just like you lot." And just, just little things like that. And it was, it was, it was, you know, small things. But as Sav says, we were in a bad place before he came along, and he turned it round and. Um, yeah, he loves the club, and I, I probably fell in love with him more after he left the club because the way he used to talk about us, he talks about the club in the same way that we do years after. Well, again, you say that there's that television clip that he does when he's with Ian Wright, which is the FA Cup, the Chelsea game, and he turns around and he tells Ian Wright, "I'm a Brentford fan, so I think that Brentford are going to beat Chelsea today." And Ian Wright's going, "What are you talking about, mate? They're not going to." And he goes, "When you're a Brentford fan, you can't see. When you're a football fan, you don't see anything else. You just think your team is going to do it." And I'm a Brentford fan. And he said it on the TV, and that was just an absolutely brilliant moment. I didn't see that obviously at the time because I was at the game but I've seen it afterwards but listen Martin Allen is going to be at the besotted pride of West London Social and it's going to be a brilliant night there's all sorts of entertainment we're lining up it's going to be great 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 last season it was, ask anyone who was there they all loved it this season's going to be even better go to besotted.com click on the banner go and get yourself a ticket you and your mates and your posse will be doing some special offers and everything like that for people who are on the besotted special mailing list so look out for that as well but listen it's going to be a lot of fun. We've got more to talk about now after this twang. The Football Village News. This is the time we look around the league. We look around Brentford. We look around what else is happening in the league. As they call it, it's the Football Village. And we give you the news that's happening in the Football Village. QPR. Last weekend, Nottingham Forest put five goals behind them, which probably made a lot of, or not probably, definitely made a lot of Brentford fans happy. But what I didn't realise is that actually Nottingham Forest are very happy because they want to play QPR every week. Apparently, they have scored 22% of their goals this season against QPR. That's pretty mean feat, isn't it? That's, that's fantastic. And it's of course fantastic news as well because uh, QPR have laid a lot of goals. <laughs> and we're playing them in a few weeks time which is all good as well other little bit of news on the horizon there as well we've been talking about the transfer deadline and we've always said that we don't understand why the first start that the the the, the, the transfer window is a month because a complete waste of time because everything always happens in the last few days as well and also we're really paid off because in the summer you've got a whole month remember this whole Harley Dean and all that scenario where he wasn't playing properly for us you know his head wasn't in it Hotter wasn't in it for a whole month but we had to play him because we had to put him in the shop window so that kind of was probably one of the reasons why we fluffed it where we only won four and, and drew four of our last two months games so that's affected us it affects a lot of teams and we said we don't understand why the transfer window is so long but they've decided to change it so instead of the transfer window being the end of August it's now Thursday the 9th of August which is actually one week into the season it's we play one game 
And then the Thursday after that first game, which is before our second game, is the transfer deadline. Now, to me, I'm thinking this can only be a good thing. Savvy B? Uh, I, think, I think it is a good thing, but what it also is, it, sh- it, it kind of compresses the amount of time that any uh, manager has got to get his team together. So as long as you've got uh, a manager from the end of the previous season, uh, we all hope that Dean Smith will, will be here, then that's good. That, that works for those teams. Any team that sort of gets their manager in quite late because they've all f- messed it up, uh, then you know, they, they, it's really compressed and they won't be able to change the team a great deal. So it's good for the, the teams that are stable, which hopefully is us because we think ahead, but it's going to be bad for those teams that chop and change their managers a lot. Well, they, to me, they need to be a little bit more organised then, don't they? That's, that's exactly right. Um, but, I mean, it might push them to be like that or they might just carry on being the, the kind of team that just loves turmoil. Tough. What do we do playing football on the 4th of August? There are two major sports in this country. There's cricket and football. The 4th of August should be the cricket season, not the football season. We'll be standing there on the terraces at Ealing Road, suffering from sunstroke, you know, unlike the snow, uh, snowmageddon that we're faced with now. We'll be suffering with, with sunstroke. Football is a winter, autumn, winter, spring game. It is not a summer game. Uh, well, if, if you go to Ireland, if you, they start their season probably this week or next week and it goes all the way through to October. Yeah. So it's a, yeah. a summer game. For them. But, so it depends on where you are. But we're not, Yeah, but we're not Irish. We're British and proud of it. And our game is... <laughs> Our game is a winter game. 4th of August, absolutely ridiculous. Sod the transfer window when the transfer window closes. We should not be playing football on the 4th of August. So you'll be wanting to to play the medicine ball again like we did in the the 1920s? I I am happy that we play proper football in proper weather. Playing in heatwave conditions on the 4th of August is not proper football. I'm going to ask you a question. You don't seem to have ever complained because the football season always started in the first, well, for the past few years, in the first week in, in, in August. So what's the difference? The only thing that you should be doing in the first week of August is licking an ice cream and sunbathing. You can't do either on the Ealing Roads Terrace. Yeah. We've always done I've it. Done. You know, we played Charlton and we were actually just having very good fun when Charlton came down in the very first week in August. Well, there's a go. Mark Devlin, here's the idea. 4th of August, if we get a home game, sell ice creams and I'll be there. Any other? The Dutchman. Unlike the politician, Liberal Nick, I will answer the actual question that you asked there, Billy, which is about the transfer window, uh, not about the 4th of August. It's a small step in the right direction. I still don't really understand why the window would end after the first game rather than before it it still seems you know what you mentioned you lose your first game 4-0 you buy more players just just end it before the season starts put a date in 31st of July whatever it may be that fits in with the cricket season um, and the ice cream season <laughs> or the ice cream season or yeah, anything else that works but yeah, there's, there's got to be um, a date that cuts off before the season starts to me it just seems all all logic tells you that and um, it's a step in a direction but I don't really see why it's why it's happened to that particular date I'm not sure what that achieves bring it forward even further uh, can I also point out that loans will still uh, carry on to take place until the end of uh, the 
the old transfer window. Okay, so loans will carry on to the end of the month, which is good information there as well. B team, as you know, we do like the B team. We love the B team. They're bringing players through, the path through to the A team as it is. So we like to give you a little bit of information every now and again about the B team. And the B team has a bit of a monumental day uh, yesterday, I think it was, because, or was it today? Um, they are probably one of the first teams to have a game called off. I mean, I'm, I'm confused if it's today because the snow come today. First team to have a game called off, actually. They were absolutely trouncing Swansea 4-0. Smashing the pieces, they were beating them 4 0. Um, and uh, with West Group, Jarvis Idebor, Marcus Foss, and also Ali Coote scored the goals 4 0 on Swansea under 23s. And then, unfortunately, the game was called off. Liberal? Well, I was going to say that's proper English weather. Games called off because of snow. That's what, how football should be. Not games called off or, or heat breaks needed to be taken. You know, so it was proper English conditions. So you prefer there's no football at all? Is that what you're saying? keep football out of football <laughs> okay, well that's a different story altogether I don't quite understand his logic but we'll probably talk off microphone up here to try and work out exactly what he's talking about because I think he's had probably too many London prides but anyway we'll go on about that later but anyway B team they've done alright 4-0 so that should go down as a victory in my book anyway which is all good um, talking about the future Lionel Rhodes there's a little bit of news because there's going to be a groundbreaking at Lionel Road. So they're going to be putting the spade in the ground. They're going to get a load of press people down, a load of dignitaries down. There's going to be a special fan there if you go to the Brentford website. If you're a fan and you want to go down there and help to break the ground at Lionel Road, it's in the middle of the day on Monday, the 19th of March. Uh, we've been invited as Besotted, as, as a number of other people are going to be down there to be checking it out as well. So that's going to be all good. And then after there's going to be a little reception, a bit of a boozer around the corner as well. So there's a few beers to celebrate. I think it's going to be in the sort of like where the boathouse was, where Brentford was actually founded. Um, so there's going to be a little reception there, which is all good. Um, so that's going to be happening on the 19th of March, so the breaking of Brentford, which means that actually Lionel Road is actually happening. Um, anyone, I mean, the savvy B. Yeah, I mean, I think this is something that Brentford have uh, absolutely got right. Um, they, they've said that the, the people who will be breaking the ground won't be the usual CEO in a hard hat, but actually... Uh, members of a family that can trace their, their Brentford supporting back for many, many years and you know, different generations have been supporting Brentford. And I was reading this and thinking, this is really, really good, but there must be so many Brentford fans that don't fit into that. I mean, I, I'm one. I'm, I'm, I'm the first generation of Brentford fans uh, in my family. And, you know, and I just thought, oh, that's a real shame. And then as you read the, the thing, it says, but also there will be a place open for anybody out of this pick draws you know to, to be part of it and you know they get a free spade at the end of it etc you know i thought absolutely they got it right again you know there's something about brentford that you think even when they could get it so wrong they just get it right every single time I'm so proud of this club really am so you're very happy so you're going to be you're, you're, you're going to be putting your entry in Ab- absolutely yeah i hope to win <laughs> which is which is all good liberal do you have to give up your job so so if you if you go along on the 19th and you're chosen is that is that what you're going to do for the next year and a half? Is is we'll act as one the of the you will build the ground, with a bit like spade. with a single spade, <laughs> a bit like Lego, really, isn't it? You know, yeah, that's right, Lego master builder. Yeah, that's right. yeah, and 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 it's interesting because we're talking about Lionel Road, and I mean, there's a lot of you know interesting conversations been happening about Lionel Road as well as we knew it's our new Brentford Stadium, and let's talk about the premium seating at Lionel Road, which is a bit of an issue with some people because they're thinking, oh no, we're not going to be able to sit on the halfway line anymore because this is going to be the expensive seats which are going to for people that are able to pay three thousand pounds a year or whatever it may be, um, again, I'm just I'm plucking I'm plucking that I'm plucking that price I'm plucking I'm plucking that price price out of the air because we don't know how much it's going to cost, but it's going to be premium seating as they call it. 
Um, and it's interesting because I was sitting down there today doing a little bit of work in town and opposite me was a, was a man from the 90s, you remember? Remember old Mark Lamar? He used to be on The Big Breakfast and he was on all sorts of shows. Where else was he on, Mark Lamar? Uh, never mind the Buzzcocks. Mind the yeah. Buzzcocks and all sorts of, you know, comedian turned into TV person as well. So I, I saw Mark Lamar, he was sitting in front of me and I had a little chat with him. And um, it was interesting, I said, you know, apparently he lives in Chiswick. And I thought, I thought oh, Mark Lamar. He might be coming down to Brentford. He's a good mate with Bob Mortimer. Bob Mortimer is a Borough fan. He might be down there in a couple of weeks' time. So I'm just wondering, when the when, when Lionel Road comes, are we going to be getting a load of Chiswick, Q, Richmond loveys coming down to, to Brentford? Because it's going to be... Uh, and I'm just wondering, who do you think might be coming down to Brentford when, when Lionel Road comes? I mean, Mark Lamar, bring his, bring his mates down, the old, the, the old media loveys. What do you think? Esther Ranson. Esther Ranson lives on Q Green. She she'll definitely be up for it. You know she can bring her uh, funny shaped carrots and uh, sit there and w- watch the bees. Yeah. I mean, anyone savvy? Do you, do you uh, think? Well, well, I do know that uh, Dara O'Brien lives in Chiswick, and uh, so probably Ed Byrne lives in Chiswick as well. They they might want to come along. But uh, of course, we've we've got the the, the dynamic duo. We've got Anton Deck, haven't we? Who are big Newcastle fans and live in Chiswick and did come to uh, watch their team play us last season. I did, PJ and Dalton and Deck, and I chatted to them about that as well, and, and, and spoke to Deck as well, and he said to us, it's quite good here, I think I might have to come back again as well, so you might see them as well. So we've got some more media lovers as well, the Dutchman. Which one's Deck, Billy? Which one's Deck? Uh, Declan? He's the he's the smiley one, the smaller one, who's no just... One <laughs> <laughs> I do, because I've worked for them for years. But anyway, we've been going about that. Go on, the Dutch. Um, yeah, it seems to be a lot of comedy. I think Al Murray's Chiswick as well, I, I know for a fact. Um, He's been in there. Yeah, there'll, there'll be a few casuals dropping in, but you know we'll, we'll we'll soon get rid of them, I'm sure, and go back to normal in due course. So I just say, interesting saying that people can't sit on the halfway line anymore. The last person I remember staying on the halfway line, not moving, was Jamie Fullerton for a season when he was our captain. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just 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 brought back happy memories. Yeah. <laughs> so listen, so that's it. So we're going to be getting lovies down at Brentford. They'll be set, they'll be having that little little section down the middle as well. Let's see how many lovies we can get inside there, and let's see how much noise they will make. To me, they should have a a stamp. If they get their ticket, they've also got to sign a declaration form to say, we can only actually come in here if we're actually going to make loads of noise, right? And we're not going to be sitting down there eating prawn sandwiches and doing whatever other lovies do at other football grounds like Arsenal and Manchester City. Anyway, and, this, Fulham. and Fulham. Anyway, let's move it on. We just had a little tour just now. It's a bit of news for you that we talked about beforehand. We've been hinting it for weeks and weeks and weeks, but we can announce it now. Besides, we've got a podcast on a Thursday that comes out first thing on Thursday, but we've also now got a radio show. There's a new radio station coming out, which is called Love Sport Radio. It's a London radio station. It's going to be on 558 on the AM. It's also going to be on DAB, and it's going to be online. Every Thursday between 9 and 10, the Besotted crew will be on there. They've got a wicked idea. They've got every single club in London has got a show on there. So before us is going to be the Holmesdale, the Crystal Palace Massive. They're going to be on there beforehand. We've got Fulhamish on Wednesday night as well. We've got the QPR on Tuesday night, I think it is. Um, probably doing the show on Tuesday because they know they're going to lose every Tuesday. They'd rather turn up at the studio than actually watch the match. Um, and I was, <laughs> and I was like that. But we're going to be doing a show every Thursday starting on March the 8th. So check it out. Just put it down, 889. We'll be putting out the information the next week or so. Um, just after the Burton game. Thursday, 9 till 10 o'clock on Love Sport Radio. And Savvy B, I mean, we had a little look around the studio. Were you quite impressed? It was very small. Um, I think uh, yeah, you won't be able to get a big Bissotted crowd in there. I think it's going to be like a Bissotted Limited 
I think that's probably quite a good name for it, actually. Yes. Besotted Limited. Uh, sorted in the washing machine. Yeah, I mean... Hot it's, wash. It's, it's going to be an hour long, rather than the, the sort of the rambling two hours that we do here. And, uh, you know, it's, it's going to be uh, fewer people. So, yeah, Besotted Limited, I'm, I'm up for it. It's good. It's all good, and we get you involved. Fans will get involved. There'll be a lot of social media interaction, even live telephone calls, if anyone's actually listening. And they can call in and actually can have their opinion, which should be a bit of a laugh as well. As long as they don't call in and abuse me. That's fine. Remember, if you want to phone in, just keep it polite. Well, the whole point is that you're going to phone in and, and abuse Liberal Nick, you know what I'm saying? We, we were actually saying one of the main things about the tour was showing us this button. Yeah. <laughs> the abuse button. Yeah. It was literally, he just went through this big long explanation about how it works. Yeah. And, you know, it's sort of... Uh, it was yeah. very big, wasn't it? It, it was massive. It's basically, <laughs> basically, you could hit it from anywhere. It was just, just this massive button in the middle of the, the, the desk that you just hit it if anyone swears. Yeah. And it was called the Liberal Nick button, which really worried me as well. They haven't even brought broadcast yeah no, no indeed so anyway like i said love sport radio it's going to be uh launching on monday which is next monday coming up it's going to be launching and that's a tune thursday nine till ten o'clock you'll be able to hear even more of us and we're going to change it up a little bit so there'll be uh, eight till nine o'clock nine till ten o'clock p.m you'll be hearing more of us so like i said you will change it up a little bit so it should be all good fun other than that like I said, a couple of things as well we'll talk about in the football village news if you checked out twitter um we put a little tweet out there to ask you to um tweet in your griffin park photos there'll be some really wicked photos that have come through uh, if you ever look at them there's some photographs of griffin park which shows you know it may be old and dilapidated but this is our home and it shows how beautiful our home is in different lights you've got rainbows you've got snow you've got you know smoke bombs and all sorts of stuff for these photographs go and check them out on twitter and what we may even do i so said we may even do if we we talk to you and get a, an okay we may even see if we can get a collage of these photographs and maybe we might put it up for uh, the social make a little collage of it at the social and um and make it one of the charity things that we actually auction off at the besotted social which is on the 4th of may as we say with martin allen and finally we can't actually have a football village news and have a podcast without talking about our dear friends out there Birmingham City um, there's all sorts going on there at the moment now Steve Cottrell seems to be hanging on by a thread we spoke to Davo who's our friend of beside a couple of days ago he thought that Cottrell's gone but Birmingham put out a tweet today obviously trying to be kind of like rallying behind him saying Cottrell will be taking the press conference on Thursday so he's still got another day to go in a job um, but they're also saying that we've got a bit of a problem with FFP so they think there are going to be some announcements with Birmingham and FFP from what I can gather they lost £17 million in six months if you consider that we lost £10 million in, in a whole year they've lost £17 million in the last six months plus they've got all sorts of other losses going on they seem to be in a little bit of a pickle this Birmingham City aren't they I mean anybody got any thoughts on them and a Dutchman yeah it's it's not funny at all really is it that a team of their stature is is struggling so badly really I, I was thinking earlier when I was sitting here in the freezing cold thinking it's it's probably about minus five out there which I thought hmm, minus five a bit like Birmingham was last Tuesday when they played us at home but it, it is quite funny looking at the tweets over the <laughs> looking looking at the tweets over the weekend and seeing the you know, I, I hate to pick on easy targets, but the Harley Dean tweets where, you know, not only is he now getting abuse from the fans, but he's abusing them back. I mean, that's that's almost like. Explain yeah. what's that about? Sorry, because a lot of people may not understand what that's about. Explain I, that. I, I can't use the language that they, they use, Billy. Obviously, but you know, if you if you if you're a Twitter person, you follow Harley Dean. You know, he, he's gone a bit quiet on social media lately. He, he seems to progress past the usual. Sorry for the travelling fans. We go again next week. Um, he's now progressed to when people abuse him, just abusing them back. <laughs> <laughs> like what he did when he was at Brentford, yes. Yeah? Using all sorts of F words and F words and C words um, that don't stand for football and clubs. So, um, but actually, I mean, the Birmingham fans in, in the main, I think, are still behind Harley Dean because I think for all his faults, 
he is a you know a, a wholehearted, committed player, and they don't hold him responsible for their woes at the moment. And you know, whilst we enjoyed um, the ridicule that he got last week, he actually was probably one of their better players, to be fair. Um, but it's it's an unhappy ship there, and we're we're we're, we're of mixed opinions around this table as to whether they'll stay up or not. Um, we all desperately hope they don't. But uh, personally, I just think they'll probably be good enough to escape the drop. Um, where some of our esteemed colleagues around the table think that they will go down. A liberal. I mean, your thoughts on Birmingham City. I mean, like I said to you, and, and what what you know, will they or will they not, and who who will be in their place if they don't? My biggest regret this season will be that I wasn't at Griffin Park last Tuesday to see the 5-0 five, <coughs> five thrashing. Of, it sounded fantastic and well done to the, everybody for creating the atmosphere down there, including the playing of the, that song several times. You know, Birmingham City deserve everything they've got. Um, you know, the, the, the directors, the, the owners of the club had hired Harry Redknapp. He dumped him in the um, deep doo-doo. Um, they nicked some of our best players they tried to disrupt um, what was a good team that we had although we haven't suffered that much through losing those three and we have history with Birmingham City and there are clubs that I genuinely don't you know I'm a fairly I'm a liberal guy I like most people and most things but Birmingham City I'm becoming a real hatred of Um, and you know if they go down and if they go bust I'm sorry there are some very decent Birmingham City fans, but as a club, I won't regret their demise into Division One or possibly even Division Two. Because so be down or not down, down. Okay. The Savvy B. Uh, I don't think anyone's mentioned that we beat them five nil on uh, Tuesday. Uh, but um, no, I, I, I think that um, uh, if you look at the teams around them, I think Hull are good enough to stay up, and I think they will stay up. I think it's between them and Barnsley, to be honest. I think it's a straight fight. And because Barnsley beat them the other night, i got a feeling that that's going to really hurt Birmingham. I think they might struggle to stay up. I think they're gone. So, Sav, Sav you think Sunderland have gone as well, yeah? Oh, yeah. yeah. Sunderland and I think uh, Burton and I think between Birmingham and Barnsley, the other one, but I think probably Bar- uh, Birmingham. Well, it's interesting. I mean, and, and for me, I mean, I thought that I thought Birmingham was going to stay up as well. As you know, I've got good Birmingham friends. I've got Davo. I've got the the, the, the Blues for You posse. You know, I've got you know the, the, the Brummy Joe. I've got my Sam up in Shrewsbury, as we said. Like load of Blues fans as well. But that that Barnsley, you know, they're friends. That's right. But that Barnsley result I must admit I was very surprised about that because it looks like they just did they just gave up the ghost and there was like you know throwing the the season ticket in his face and everything like that you know and <laughs> as the story goes you know the, the fan threw the season ticket in his face he was carted off and he had to he was going to get further uh, re- reprimands from the club they were actually going to give him a season ticket back <laughs> which I thought was quite funny probably an old joke but I still thought it was funny because I'm quite childish like that but um yeah <laughs> Birmingham City are in a bit of a pickle and it's also if you listen to um if you google Al Majid as well A-L um, space M-A-J-I-D as well he, he used to run this site often partisan he was based in Birmingham and he's moved to Poland as well now and he is uh, a very 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 uh, well researched person he's been doing a lot of research on Birmingham City his club who he loves and about the dodginess that's been going on with the Chinese um, with the, the Chinese influence there and he keeps exposing them and the ex- latest exposures that he's had would make me very worried if I'm a Birmingham fan because the latest exposures is basically um, again I, I you know, can't say this too much because again you've got to worry about the legal implications but he's been putting it out there as well but he has said that the, the links with the, the, the owner are to people who are, aren't overly reputable and you know whether or not there's some sort of alleged money laundering in alleged, alleged, alleged 
necessarily by the owners but by the people that are represented with there's a lot of shadiness that's been going on there allegedly by these people I keep on saying this as a point I think you need to look into it yourself and at the moment now it's like that's a point when the bottom can fall out of a club so you need to have a little look at that but Birmingham City may have bigger problems than having lost 17 million in six months time and uh, they need to really look into that and uh, and also the other thing is that Harry Redknapp also apparently didn't do the signings um, it was David Dean's son who is uh, linked as an agent to Birmingham City and he was making a lot of the signings so he was the person actually that signed Hotter, Colin and um, and also um, Harley Dean as well. I'm going to put allegedly in there as well, just to make sure that I'm not there as well. But this is my sources that have said that. So it wasn't Harry. So they've got a lot of problems that have been happening within that club. But anyway, we're going to move on because we've got a game on Saturday against Cardiff City. And we need to know what's going on because we need three points back on the table. So let's find out what's going down in Cardiff City by talking to Vince from the Cardiff City Supporters Club. <laughs> So Saturday, you've got Cardiff coming down. Big game for Cardiff, and actually a very big game for Brentford, as you know, because we need to get back on track after our disastrous result up at Ellen Road last Saturday. Cardiff, have had a decent season, or a good season, and they had a bit of a iffy period, and then they've got a little bit better now. We thought we're going to go west. We're going to go over that bridge. We're going to speak to Vince from the Cardiff City Supporters Club, because he knows everything about Cardiff City. How are you doing, Vince? I'm all right, Bill. I'm good, thanks. Yeah, you're you sounding a lot better than I, I spoke to you a few weeks ago, and you were a little bit nervous because you had a couple of dodgy results, didn't you? Yeah, we did. We, we didn't turn up for Christmas. We had Christmas off, um, losing four games on the trot. And, um, you, you know, um, although we dropped a few positions, we managed to stay in touch with the good form we had shown before. So, I mean, listen, I mean... Neil Warnock coming as your manager he's, he's always seen as a bit of a saviour a person who actually kind of gets clubs rescues them at Rotherham he's turned them around big time for you he's also seen to have turned you around you're obviously very happy with him I mean, tell us a little bit about your season in brief um, yeah we're very happy um, he hasn't had a lot of money to spend because of the financial fair play uh, which we fell foul of a couple of seasons ago. That's biting hard, so uh, we've got no room to manoeuvre, really. So he's had to do a lot of bargaining in the transfer window. Um, he's brought a lot of players, probably a lot of our fans are new to of, and they've done uh, very well. So the season started off really good. But we lost the spine of our side then. Um, we lost uh, Morrison, Hall, and Gunnison, which is our centre, our centre midfield, and uh, our striker, our main striker. And... Um, you know, we were getting a lot of injuries. I think at one point we had about nine for fifteen players out, and that's that's when we kind of hit the spell. And about Christmas, you know, we were it was, the, the team was changing every game, uh, not just one or two changes. It was five or six because of injuries. And um, so after a great start, so we fell back a bit due to the size of the squad and the strength in depth. During the January transfer window, we wanted to manage his, work his magic again, get a couple of loan players in, uh, one or two sign-ins, and move one or two out so that we balance the books. And um, since that, you know, since uh, the defeat at Queen's Park Rangers, we haven't, been, we haven't lost in the league yet. So since January the 1st, um, we haven't lost again. Um, we're showing some good form now. We're actually starting to put um, a run of wins together and not just draws, so, um, which is very positive and it's pushed us back into second place. So, you I mean you're in a powerful position. So, listen, what I'm going to do is I'm going to go around with a little session where we're going to ask the away fans. So, this is Ask Vince. 
I'm going to go around and I'm going to pass you over to the, the spotted crew here who are going to ask him. I'm going to pass you over to Savvy B. Here's Savvy B. Okay. Hello, Vince. Hello, how are you? I'm oh, fine, thanks. Uh, I just wanted to know, who's your top boy? Who's the, who's the one player that opposition fans uh, prefer and notice? Um, Junior Hoylet, he's probably been our most consistent performer throughout the whole of the season. Um, he's obviously played out wide and played either side. Um, he's tricky, he's got a bit of pace, um, and he's got a lot of quality. Um, and so he, he's been he our used to play, So he used to play for QPR, didn't he? That's it, that's the player, yeah. Yeah, he's yeah. been our one stand-up performer. Um, we've also, Joe Rawls has also done well for us in centre midfield. He's after carry the burden of that most of the season without Alan Gunnison being out injured but he's got a bit of help in here now he's managed to get the players back in and one or two on loan so he's had, he's had a little bit of a uh, help there but Junior Hoyler by far has been our best player he's with a lot of assists he creates a lot and he, he runs at defenders and he's very tricky OK I'll, I'll, uh, I'll send a little note to Dean Smith about that we'll pass on to, uh, to Little Nick Hi, Vince. Hello. You well? Yeah, good. Um, yeah, good, thanks. Yeah, good. You've been grinding out a couple of results recently. Um, the uh, you, you won 1-0 uh, at home to Middlesbrough, 2-0 uh, at home to Bolton, and then one all with, with Millwall. Um, are you are you due to go on a goal-scoring run? Have we got to be frightened of the goal-scoring spree from you? Are you an attacking team in that way? No, we're not. Um, we do create a lot of chances, um, but we can't, we, you know, we've got a very solid defence, which is where I think Walnut works from. Um, we've got Saul Bamber in there, who's probably, you know, he's up there with one of our top performers as well. And um, we're, we're the type of team that just grind it out, you know. We're, we're left, you know, we're left together, you know, the opposition have uh, all, the, all the ball, and we'll try and just be a bit more direct, catch them on the break using. Um, using our wingers, pace, or a long ball over the top. We've got Gary Levine and Sir Hall, who are both uh, big, big centre forwards. So we can we can either put it over the top or we or we use the pace out wide um, to try and sneak a goal on on the counter attack. And uh, we've been doing that. We've been doing that all season. We've had a couple of you know a couple of threes and fours. Um, you know where where teams have kind of um, capitulated, but. More often than not, it's one nil, two nils, and this side I don't get nervous. You know, when we were nil up ten minutes ago, in with the previous teams, I'd be biting my fingernails, but they just seem to be able to close the game out. They're very good. Okay, so we just have to make sure we're two nil up with ten minutes to go. All right, Vince. Yeah, yeah. I'll pass you on to the Dutchman. Cheers, thanks. Okay. Vince Halabali, Dutchman here. How are you? Well, I got yeah, very well, very well. Uh, two questions for you. One, one, one's a more trivial one. What do you plan to do in Brentford on Saturday afternoon when the game's called off at two o'clock because of the snow that's packing up outside? Them? <laughs> <laughs> well, there's plenty. We're in, we're in the capital of the of, um, of England, so there's plenty to do there. I'm sure, um, and you know, there's plenty around, uh, plenty of places to to go and have a, a, a bite to eat and something to drink. Either in and around Brentford or just a, a short walk across the Hammersmith, isn't it? So, uh, yeah, no, I don't think that would be an issue with it, with any of our boys. You know, we've been up there so many times to that part of London. Excellent. So, yeah, that we'll would be an issue. We'll look after you. What do we need to do to beat you? What, what is it you fear from a Brentford team? So, yeah, we're, we're not bad at home. 
Um, but you're, you're, uh, yeah, this thing's just come up again. What, 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 what do you fear? What, what, what's going to happen? Well, what you've got that we haven't, that we haven't got at the back is, um, you know, you've got a lot of pace. We haven't got too, too much pace at the back, and I know you've got, you know, you've got some quite pacey players. You know, and um, Ollie Watkins is pretty prolific up front for you this season, isn't he? So, um, yeah, yeah I mean, it, 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 you know, that, that, that pace, um, quick movement of the ball, uh, shifting it quick, which I know, I know that they're your strength at home, you know, that's the way you play at home. And, and that's, that's the way. But it, it's a, it'll be a game of patience, you know. We do give the odd chance away, um, you know, and you know, like most championship sides, you know, we, we are prone to the odd mistake. Yeah, yeah, uh, play out the position. One more word, then they, they doubled up on our uh, full backs, uh, which dragged the centre outside from, um, from, from the, from the uh, box. And they were having runners from midfield, then running into the holes, and they were putting decent crosses across. So we've got, we've got some boys who can put a decent cross, I know, put it on a, put it on a penny. From, um, from, from the flanks and you know you, you, know, you manage to double up down the flanks pick a flank and double up and create that gap that's, that's how we generally can see to be honest with you okay mate thanks for that good luck to you I'll see you on Saturday cheers I think that's been... yeah thank you very much Vince yeah no Vince mate yeah and so just got to say because obviously the weather is a little bit incumbent as they say it's a little bit dodgy we've been talking about the yeah. game possibly being called off I'm just asking you as a Cardiff fan, where is the worst, or the furthest away game that you've been to that's actually been called off in the end when you've actually kind of got there? Uh, that, that's an uh, easy one to answer. Carlisle, we would actually uh, just pull off the M6, uh, top of the M6 in Carlisle, and the match was, this is uh, my believe it was in 97, 98 season, and the match was pulled off due to a waterlogged pitch. Um, we turned the bus around, we didn't stay up there, um, there was a vote. Um, there was a vote on the best whether we wanted to turn around and head home or go to the rugby club, which was next door to Carlisle's ground. Um, and we, those of us, and I was the only one, to go to the rugby club without voting. And the, the consequence was we had a 600-mile-long trip um, oh. up to Carlisle and back. Uh, yeah, it got called off. I think it was about um, it was about quarter past one um, on the on the Saturday afternoon, so we were already up there. Right, that's, that's a hard call one. That's a hard one. But listen, let's keep our fingers crossed that Saturday's going to be on. Just briefly, I just want to say yeah. to you, how do you think that the game's going to go with the Mighty Mighty Bones? Give us a score prediction. I, I, I think it'll be a, it'll be a very tough game for us. Um, I know I already know that because you gave us a tough game at our place. You know, you managed to sneak it against you when we play. Um, I don't mind putting my hand up to that. Um, but I think I think we'll wind up the draw and there'll be a score draw. I think it'll be one all. One all. It's the same. It's going to be yeah. one all um, between the two of them. And listen, it's great chatting to you. And uh, listen, Saturday, fingers crossed, the travel journey will be okay. We won't be slowed off. Yeah. We'll be all right. We'll be in the pub and we'll meet you before the game beforehand. And we'll be exchanging notes before the game and hopefully after the game. We'll also be exchanging notes as well and hopefully I'll have a smile on my face. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'll have a smile on my face if we get anything, so I'll be happy yeah. to go. <laughs> oh, all right, mate. All right, nice and busy. Saturday. Thanks. Cheers, Bill. Cheers. Bye. Cheers. So that was Vince from the Cardiff City Supporters Club telling us about Cardiff and making us a little bit scared, actually. And saying that, 
I think Vince was a little bit scared because he's keeping his fingers crossed that this snow doesn't come down even deeper on Saturday and they'll be coming down like they did up to Carlisle doing a U-turn on the Chiswick roundabout and going straight back to Cardiff. That's what he doesn't want. That's what we don't want because we need a match on Saturday. We need to get back on form. But look, listen, let's forget about that game for a bit as the game is in itself. And we'll talk about the weather because everyone talks about the weather in England because that's just all we do when the weather's like this. And uh, the game might be off on Saturday. And we just reached out to people and we asked, what games have they been to? where they've actually got on a coach and a car and a train, they've gone all the way up there, and then all of a sudden they've got there and the game's been called off. And we've had all sorts of responses from people. We've had um, Barry Fruin talked about besotted in New- Newport County. The fog came in at half-time. Two weeks later, the same thing happened at Northampton. Interesting, Will Gore talked about Dagenham away. He said it's the furthest away game he's been to because it actually took 12 hours to get there on the district line, which is actually not far from the truth, actually. Richard Payne talked about Swansea away. He got as far as Cardiff. And then he got, the game was called off and he got robbed on the tray home. So it's not the best of days as well. Um, Chris Page, uh, old school man, he talked about Workington back in the 60s. I've never been to Workington myself, so that's, uh, which is all good. Um, Andy Huckle as well, he talked about Preston. But they got called off and they went to Fleetwood instead. Guys, I'm going to go around the table here as well. I'm just wondering, what is the furthest or... What's the most memorable away game that you were meant to go to? You got on the coach or the boat or the plane or whatever you did and it got called off. Dutchman. It's not particularly far away and I haven't Googled it to check my facts but I remember going to Bristol and it may have been when they were playing at Bath and I think it was a Sunday and I was playing Sunday morning football back in the day and the game must have been there for about 2 o'clock, 3 o'clock in the afternoon. I remember my mates who were driving picking me up from the game and I ran off the pitch in my muddied I didn't get that muddy because I didn't work that hard but in my kind of muddy-ish kit and you know jumped into the back of the car and we zoomed down there to, to Bristol and we got there with about five minutes to spare and we well, let's get as near to the ground as we can and we got as near to the ground as we can which was literally opposite the turnstile we thought this is a result and only when we got out the car we thought there's no other bugger around and we were right up to the turnstile there was no one on it and we actually walked into the ground and walked in and there was nobody there and then you kind of ask and you find someone they said the game was called off hours previously before we'd even left London we just didn't actually bother to check so I'll, I'll count that as a pretty um, fun big, story <laughs> pretty big fluff actually as well I mean I'm going to interject as well um, me and Laney went up to Sheffield one time and we said we, we, we got up there on the train and we talked about this before and we got there on the train and we got there at lunchtime and it was called off at lunchtime we were absolutely gutted and uh, we, we still had a bite to eat and a few pints and then we actually <laughs> just jumped on a coach and show about it. it was on a Tuesday Tuesday afternoon as well it was Sheffield United um, and that was like I said a few years ago that was absolutely going on a Tuesday as well the Liberal um, I was trying to recall you know I can't actually I think the furthest was like one of the correspondents said Dagenham I remember, I remember going to Dagenham floodlight failure it was a televised game and they hadn't managed to put 50p in the meter and sky had obviously only paid them 30p to cover the game so that the floodlights failed and the game was called off by that and it did take a long time to get back from that godforsaken place as well um so yeah that's probably about the furthest i can't there was a famous uh, something in the back of my mind sticks that i went to accrington as well and that was called off but again like dutch i was trying to google it and see if i could recall but because accrington stanley i remember wanting to go there because it was accrington stanley and it being called off and i'm pretty certain i was on the way there but i may not have left home it may have been called off the day before the day before i left 
and, and I'm going to confirm that one as well. And again, I've told this story before: is that I was meant to go to Dubai for work, um, and I actually turned off the, the, the Dubai trip because I decided I wanted to go to Accrington instead. And I remember the guy said to me, "I was meant to be taking someone on tour over there," and he said, "Do you want to go to Dubai?" I said, "No, no interest. We go to Accrington." And I went to Accrington and went up to Accrington. It was about five hours to get there. We got to Hebden Bridge, had a drink there. We were in the cab on the way down to Accrington, and the game got called off. And I was almost in tears. I remember we sat in the because the Peel Pub on the corner, and we just sat inside there with the game called off. A load of Brentford fans went to the ground. They were not very happy at all. Some of them went to the rugby in... Some of them went to Blackburn. Some of them went to the rugby somewhere else. And some of them just, I think, they went over to Blackpool. And we just sort of cried in our soup and then went back to, to Hebden Bridge. So there's that Actrington game, which was a really, really big one. Because I think we took about 1,500 fans up there as well. In those days, that was a big one um, for us as well. And the other one, which a lot of fans have actually talked about as well, because it was a massive one, playoffs. Tuesday night, I remember driving up there in the car. I got my car. I think Slattery's in the, the car. I was with Laney. We drove up to Wrexham. We went to that pub that we go to down the high street with the horse outside i've told i've told this story before on the podcast but they've got this thatched roof pub down the high street in Wrexham. yeah it's brilliant it's like thatched roof it's brilliant right we've been there quite a few times we've sort of know all the locals we sit down there talk about them and it's inside that pub um not this game a previous game and we're going there and there's this one guy who is absolutely hammered right it's like before the match and he was chatting to everybody but he was getting absolutely hammered wasted and then eventually he said see you later I went outside I think to go and talk to someone like that and I said see you later he came outside and I thought oh my god he's going to get inside his car he turned around and he jumped on his horse which is outside the thatch roofing, and he rode off, like you know, saying, and I don't think you can be drunk in, in, in charge of a horse, so I think he was okay. You, you you can be, and I'll try and prove it next time I'm at home. Yeah, yeah. tomorrow night I'm tomorrow night I'm going to take the horse down the pub. Yeah, it's a separate thing, but anyway, we went to Wrexham and we drove up there. And I remember we drove up, and as we drove up, we saw the coaches come around by the roundabout, and all of a sudden the coaches just disappeared. We thought, where's the coaches gone? Had no idea. We went to the pub. We found out apparently the coaches got to the roundabout, found out the game was called off, and I think it was one of our last games of the season. It was rained off at Wrexham, and then it went back, and we went to the pub, and then we went to the ground, took some photographs, and then we came home and we had to go back to Wrexham a couple of weeks later because it was uh, a rearranged game again on the Tuesday night. Savvy B? Yeah, my, mine was actually not very far at all, although it was, uh, we managed to get there the long way round. It was the, uh, the cheese boat to Charlton, which, ah. which I think is it's probably... The 96, 20, was it? Was it 96? Oh, oh, I, thought it was 90, I thought it was 96 or 97, so yeah, it's, it's like about that, yeah. 21, 22 years ago now. Uh, but um, it, was, it was snowing from from about three days before so we should have known better but you know football fans always think oh it's going to happen it's going to happen so I, I sort of travelled from North West London down to Kew where the, the cheese boat was to head off from and you know we were literally walking in two three foot of, of snow it was mental and uh, we you know we all piled onto the boat the boat set off and about Back, we were probably only on the boat for about 10 minutes and yeah. one person I think it was Natasha Judge yeah. she had a, a mobile phone which was quite rare at the time <laughs> and, uh, what's and, that in? <laughs> and somebody actually phoned her and said the match is called off so we found out while I was on, on the river and it was like just uh, eh, okay so what so we just carried on and we did the usual thing about getting you know going, going past Craven Cottage and sick, hurling abuse at the, the Fulham uh, as you do, and uh, we just carried on and carried on. And uh, be, being the original cheese boat, I remember I, I introduced the, um, the the Brentford to Halloumi. I was uh, I was there. I was I was the out outrider, and uh, <laughs> and uh, you know then we ended up. I think we ended up in Waterloo, 
and got very, very drunk because there was no game to go to. Yeah. So that's, that's, that's the mistake we made. Yeah. I mean, that's what keeps us sober, really, is that we go to games. The, the Royal Festival Hall. And like I said to you, if you do a little Google, go to the Besotted and just go Cult Brentford, the story of the cheese boat to Charlton. And it's actually got the video and the story of that original cheese boat to Charlton trip that we did there as well, which is actually quite a bit of a laugh. And like I said to you, it wasn't that far, but obviously when you're down the river, it's probably as long to get to Charlton as it would have been to get to Accrington Stanley or Manchester or anything like that. And a few more tweets for people as well. Like I said, um, Costa del Solby as well. He talked about that he, uh, twice in a week, remember rightly, we played Bristol Rovers and at Twerton Park at the weekend and then the Bristol City in the midweek and it got to the ground and both games were cancelled and again the Bristol City game that's one that I went to where I actually hitchhiked I used to hitchhike to football matches back in the day and I hitchhiked Bristol City on a Tuesday night and by the time I actually got to my third pick-off point which is probably just outside um, memory services as well I was there I was absolutely drenched I was like a drenched rat and luckily somebody picked me up took me to Bristol I went to Bristol University I tried to drive I couldn't do I got down to the ground when I got to the ground it was called off and I had to jump on the coach and go all the way back home but anyway these are stories about Brentford games called off but fingers crossed Saturday won't be the same it's actually stopped snowing outside as well so it looks like we're actually going to get home a bit guided I might have to pack up my tent now and I'll put it into my backpack and we'll go back to the house anyway but listen before we do that let's talk about Saturday's game and what result there's going to be the Dutchman what do you reckon PP postponed Ooh. he's going for a PP ah PP for the bees the Dutchman he's safe safe option the Liberal Nick that's a first <coughs> if I manage to make it out and I've got the tractor on standby for Saturday morning to dig me out of my uh, Devon home. I reckon that it will be a 1-0 victory to the Bees. It'll be a half-full game, but finally we'll get one over on Neil Warnock. OK, I like your confidence there, the Liberal. Savvy B? I think we'll get bullied out of the game and it'll be a 2-1 loss. It's not very confident as well. Obviously, the snow's got you down. You know, and for myself, I'm just thinking, not the result that we want to get. I'm going for a one-all draw. It'll still keep us within the game. PMA, you know, guys. PMA. Listen, don't worry, man. One-all draw, but we still, we still got... It's a marathon, not a sprint at the time. But anyway, so listen. <laughs> listen, this is the Besotted Pride of West London podcast. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you very much for the Mad Hatter, who have actually taken really, really good care of us. If you're ever in the South Coast, or the South Coast... <laughs> <laughs> if you're in South East London, come and check this place out because it's absolutely wicked. Just around the corner from South Suffolk Station, Suffolk just around the corner from, from we, we're going to walk back to Waterloo now as well. So you check it out, which is all good. Check out the social. We've got Martin Allen coming. It's going to be wicked. Go to Besotted. Go to Besotted.com. Click on that button. But other than that, listen, forget about the snow. Snowballs on Friday because we're going to be playing football on Saturday. As we say, Cardiff, come down. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. 
And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.